director of Comfort My People, a ministry to the Jewish people in Israel and beyond. This podcast is an affiliate of Comfort My People, so go give us a follow on Facebook or Instagram where we'll continue our conversation from today. Hope you enjoy today's episode. Genesis 32, 24 through 30. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Hi guys, welcome back to Journey from Jacob. I just want to catch you all up from last week. We talked about Israel as the person Israel, as the people Israel, and as the land Israel. And how that is generally what we're talking about in this podcast. But in order to get all the way to the land Israel and what's happening today in that, we have to start all the way back with the person Israel and his journey from Jacob to Israel. And the three steps of that journey are the struggle for blessing, the renaming and reconciliation. So today we're talking about blessing and what blessing means. We have to understand that before we can really get to why you would even want to struggle for it. So, without further ado, Paul, what is a blessing? Okay, good question. Um, It is easily misunderstood because it has a biblical definition which is not common to us. We say, God bless you, you know, have a blessed day, things like that. And we basically mean, have a good day, you know, I, I, I hope things go well with you. That, that's pretty much what we think. But bless really means to kneel before. So it's a, it's a sign of homage and respect. And not only that, but it, it means that you're willing to do something as a result of kneeling before someone because you, you honor them in, in this way that you want to be a part of their healthy, wholesome future and so when you say this might sound a little gross but when you say god bless you after someone sneezes literally you're there with a tissue in your hand ready to blow their nose so i don't know if that helps (laughs) so then that meaning of blessing as far as jumping back to abraham abraham being blessed to be a blessing Mm-hmm. How would you define that? Well, the crazy thing is that God said, I will bless you. So God is saying to Abraham, I will bless you. You're going to come from this land that you now live in and grew up in, this land that is filled with idolatry and immorality and all kinds of um, terrible behavior where people mistreat one another. Um, I'm going to take you out of that land and, and bring you to another land. And there I pronounce this blessing over you. And he says, I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will make you into a nation and a nation of people that are beyond counting, innumerable as the stars in the sky and the sand in the sea. And you will be a blessing to all the nations of the world. And later on, he'll say that through all the families of the earth, I will bless you. So what God is saying is that I'm going to bow before you, Abraham. I'm going to kneel before you, not bow you as if you're superior, but I'm going to kneel before you so that I can be a source of help in this process. It's not you. The blessing is going to come through me. 
So I'm the one that's going to do it for you, but it's going to be in you. I'm going to give you something that will be in you that will make you capable of doing things that are beneficial to other people. So he doesn't go into detail what the blessing means, but Abraham knows right away that it's good. Everyone knows that a blessing is a good thing, and that became common understanding. But it, it becomes visible in the story because what's good to man has to be in that category of blessing. Later on, James, we know way back, way forward in the story, James, Jacob is his Hebrew name, interestingly enough, um, that he says that every good gift comes from God. Every good gift comes from the Father of lights, the Father above. God gives every good gift. So anything that we have that is good in the, in the purest sense comes from God. Everyone, whether you're a believer or not, God gives good gifts. And in this story, the blessing is in that category. It's in the highest form of a good gift. But it has always the assistance of God. But it's also the promotion of God because God wants to tell a story through this blessing that he is the source of things that are good. So people would be drawn to him and drawn away from idolatry, drawn away from immorality, drawn away from all kinds of you know unlawful activity that always causes harm to someone. So that's God's plan to bless through an individual. So God could have done this. He could have done it with fairy dust and just sprinkled the whole planet with blessing dust. And everyone would be blessed and running around having happy faces all the time, you know, and there'd be no more crime, no more panic. But we'd all be somewhat robotic. And um, that's not his plan. He wants us to be human because that's how he created us, in his image. He created man in his image. But because man is has this nature that we talked about last time that Jacob had, this nature that is very self-centered, that is easily deceived... And when a person is deceived, they end up deceiving others because the truth becomes blurred. And when the truth is blurred, people do things that ultimately harm. So I think the question that comes up, at least in my mind, when you're talking about this is, I get it. God can't just sprinkle goodness over everybody because that takes away some of the free will aspects. I think that's a conversation that's had very often. But why Abraham? Why bless Abraham? Mm. Well, that's that's going to be the larger question because this these three verses that you read actually are the most controversial verses, I believe, in the Bible. And even today, because they reflect on the land, because God promises them that he's going to give him both a people and a land. And he elaborates on that as we go through the story. So why Abraham will later become why Israel and why land? Well, it passes down why Abraham, why Isaac and not Ishmael, why Jacob and not Esau, and then why Israel? As that goes down. That's right. Yeah. And it gets more complicated as time goes on because it's why Israel, not Egypt? Why Israel, not Saudi Arabia? Why Israel, not America? So, and Israel becomes the heightened um, focus of animosity because of that. Um, so, but the question is a very good one because there is one man that was chosen and he was chosen amongst, you know, an entire population, even in his own land of Aramea. So he's from the Ur of the Chaldees, which later on, uh, Moses will call Aramea, and that they're supposed to remember that to the Jewish people, to Israelites, that that is where they came from. They came from this place where there was no promise, there was no blessing to the land of promise, the land of plenty. So Abraham was chosen. We really don't know the particulars. God chose him, but he saw something in Abraham that was responsive. So whatever was going on in, in Abraham's life, and by this time he's lived over 80 years, 
when Abraham is pronounced his blessing. So God's seen his life. He's seen the way he's responded. And I think that's a critical part of the story is that God is always watchful and mindful of not just what we do, but why we do what we do and what is the motivation behind what we do. In fact, way later on in the story, we get this picture of God from this um, vantage point of well above the earth, but capable of seeing minutely. And he says that, it says that God looked for a man, and that's a man or a woman in that language. Um, he looked for a man whose heart was right with him. And the reason he says that is so that I could show myself strong on their behalf. So it's really, he's saying the same thing. I'm looking for someone that I can bless so that they can be a blessing to others. But the sad thing is at this point, which is later on in the story, way later on be, beyond Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is that the pronouncement is that, but he found none. So he was looking for a point in time for a man or a woman whose heart was right with him, but he found none. That's a very sta sad stage in human history. But Abraham was the man that he looked for and found. And so the story begins with him. We don't know exactly why. There's traditions that tell stories that are somewhat made up because we don't know if they're true or not, but we don't know exactly what it was in Abraham that God specifically saw, but it was something that was positive. I think it'd be fair to say, based off of that other verse that you referenced, that it would be because his heart was right with God. And we even see in like the faith chapter in Hebrews that he was a man who had faith in mm -hmm. God. And that he was the the first, the founder of our faith. Kind of. Exactly. Interesting. Okay. So then as the story continues, we're getting to Jacob. But why why Isaac and not Ishmael? Oh, that's good. So Abraham was promised to have a child, right? But time goes on and Abraham's 90 and his wife is um, 80. Um, and it's like, God, you promised me a child. You know, I'm old now sarah is past childbearing years and still no child and god promises him he takes him out and he gives him more places and more promises to look and experiences for him to believe him so but abraham like most men um you reach a point with your patience and you're no longer patient so abraham decided he was going to help god out they had gone to egypt because there was a famine god didn't tell him to go to egypt but he went to Egypt because there was a famine. And when they went to Egypt, it was, it was plentiful. The Nile Valley was very fertile. And they settled there temporarily. And, um, but long enough for trouble to erupt because of a relationship issue that developed between Sarah and the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So without the details there, that gets cleared up. And they leave Egypt, but God blessed them while they were in Egypt because God said he was going to bless them. And he, he gained more um, wealth there through cattle and different um, livestock that his numbers grew, and he also gained slaves. He took, them, he took slaves with him. Then the Pharaoh said, get out of here, go in peace, take everything with you. So he not only took all the livestock that he had accumulated, but he took the slaves as well. Within that group of slaves was a woman named Hagar which Adam, um, Abraham came to Sarah and said, hey, look, let's do this. You know, let's get this promised blessing thing going. And why don't I just have a, um, a child through Hagar, through your handmaiden? And Sarah told him, do what you want. And he goes ahead and does that. She gets pregnant and has a child. They name the child Ishmael. And then aggravation starts between Hagar and Sarah. 
because there's this jealousy. Sarah's like, I thought I'm supposed to be the mother of this promised child. And Abraham's trying to get out. He says, you told me, you know, go ahead with your handmaiden. And she's mad at him because he went ahead and did it. It's very similar to this story in the garden when Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent, and no one was willing to take any responsibility. So, but here we go with the, the, the largest conflict, which today is called the Middle East conflict, which has lasted for the longest period of time in history, because God said, Isaac, um, Ishmael is not the one. You're still to have a son, a promised son, and you will have him, and you will name him Isaac. God told him what to name him. Isaac means laughter. Later on, when God affirms this to Abraham, Sarah laughs. And she gets, God says, why is, to Abraham, why is, and this sounds strange, God is talking to Abraham, they actually had a meal together. You know, how's that happen? But um, that's another story. But he's at, at his, Abraham's tent. They're just chilling out with some, some goat in, in milk, cooked in the mother's milk, which becomes later unlawful to do. But here's God doing these things pre, prior to the law because he's just showing himself as a man, not as a man, but as, as a God who wants to relate to man. He doesn't reveal himself as God. Later on, Abraham realizes that God was here. This was God eating goat with me. And so in this story, Abraham is told by God, without knowing who he is, that why is she laughing? Because it's a sign of unbelief, it seems like. But to her, it was a sign of unbelief, and God knows that. And that's why he asked why she's laughing. He didn't condemn her for that, because he's the one that would say, her name is, your son's name is to be laughter, Isaac. So we see that, and later on, God confirms it to Abraham, and, and Abraham laughs as well. So this whole beginning of this child, which is called a child of promise, is surrounded by laughter between the father, the, the, the mother, and God, who created her within her womb, created him within the womb of Sarah. So laughter is literally the first sign of the blessing from God. This is going off track a little bit, but God knew that this world was going to be so difficult to live in for mankind as it progressed, that there'd be so much animosity and hostility, hostility that as a basic, a basis of the foundation of this blessing, this promise is laughter, which is really cool when you think about it. I'm just going to fast forward a little bit and say this, these people called the Jewish people, were the, were the descendants of Isaac. So it goes through Jacob, of course, because we have other descendants, which we haven't gotten to. But today, if you were to count, in which is, this has been done, there, actually Time Magazine did a study, because there was this strange sense that there's so many Jewish comedians. What's that all about? And they did a study and realized that there was a totally disproportionate amount of Jewish comedians through time. And this goes back to vaudeville. This is when recorded comedians that were almost entirely Jewish for the first period of recorded broadcasting. And, and so no one knows why. They think it's an anomaly. But really, it's very easy to see why, because that's part of the blessing. The blessing that God wanted to pass down to all the families of the earth is that they could laugh. They could enjoy themselves. They could laugh at themselves. They could laugh at each other. As long as it wasn't harmful, it was considered good, wholesome laughter. So the first child is named laughter, literally. You ask the question, why Isaac and not Ishmael? So Ishmael, nothing wrong with Ishmael, nothing wrong with Hagar. Hagar did not ask to be a slave. She did not ask to be taken. She did not even ask to be um, the mother 
of Abraham's child. But she became it. But So God has nothing against Hagar. In fact, he blesses Hagar. He blesses Ishmael and says that you're going to be the father of many nations. But you are not the promised covenant son. Isaac is, and he makes it very clear. So there's no distinction I like Isaac more than I like Ishmael. Isaac is the appointed one because I told you that I was going to give you a son through Sarah. And so they had to wait longer. So Isaac was 12 years younger than Ishmael. And there was a friction that developed between the two because there was friction that was passed down between the mothers that, that developed between the sons. Apparently, Ishmael was given Isaac a hard time growing up. And God said, through Sarah's declaration, said, this we can't live like this anymore. Abraham said, go do what you like. And she wanted to cast out the bondwoman with her son. And God said, go ahead and do it. And that's when he blessed Re Hagar. Hagar, sorry. <laughs> Hagar. He blessed Hagar and Ishmael, and they went off and, and inherited a different portion of land. I think the incredible <laughs> thing about that story is the consequences of what happens when we try to fulfill the promise our own way. If when we go outside of what God has directly told us and try to, through our own devices, mm -hmm. fulfill the promises that he's already given us, rather than relying in faith on the fact that they will happen the way he told us that they would happen. Um, and we kind of laugh in disbelief over the fact that they could happen the way he says, because oftentimes it seems quite impossible that they could. So we go about trying to do it our own way. And then we see the conflict now and the way you kind of explained it for a quick second there. But the whole conflict of the Middle East is kind of the same conflict because out of Isaac came Israel and out of Ishmael came pretty much all of the Arabic world, if I'm not wrong. A good portion. Mm -hmm. And so you see that conflict erupting to this day. It's quite interesting to think that things that seem like quite minor disobediences on our part could erupt into catastrophic levels mm -hmm. of... Anyway. No, that's a really good point because you see, they, it could have been reconciled right then and there. You know, Abraham didn't have the tools of parenting. He didn't have any of these books that we have today available to us to know how to be a good parent. So there was some dysfunctional things going on in the household between the two sons that could have gotten along together. They could have. It's possible. Humanly speaking, people can get along together. But we see that it's not easy. And we saw that even way back further with the first two sons that were born, Cain and Abel. So, you know, there is this heads up, you know, it's not easy being a parent. But Abraham, I think, maybe had to do something with his age and something with the fact that he was gaining so much influence and um, responsibility in the land he was living in, that um, raising a child probably wasn't that much of a, of a participant, uh, participation as a father. And so the two sons had this friction as they grew older, which was too late. They, could, they had to be separated. That separation started to grow, just like you said, into hostility when they should have been brothers living together. Now think that she's from Egypt, so it's, she, he's half Egyptian, um, Ishmael, and then he's half really Aramean because you say there's no Israel yet, so you can't say that Abraham was an Israelite, which makes the story even more confusing. <laughs> Quite confusing. So let's jump way forward. I know that there's lots of things that happen in between. We've got um, Abraham having to sacrifice Isaac, sort of, and further, further along, but Isaac finally has his own children, twins. We've got 
Jacob and Esau. So finally we're back at Jacob. And those twins, when they were born, as you had mentioned in the other podcast, um, the first one, Esau was born first, red, and mm-hmm. Jacob was born second, holding on to his heel. And in those times, the oldest son usually received the blessing. Mm-hmm. But Jacob somehow received it. Would you like to explain that? Yeah, give it a shot. Um, so you have these twins, um, another dysfunctional family, because the mother, Rebecca, took on Jacob as her favorite, and father took on Esau. He was the hunter and the real man's man, and he kind of liked that. You know, he was bringing home venison and whatnot that, that Isaac really liked. Uh, Jacob, more or less, was hanging out with his mother. Um, didn't mean that he's not manly, but he was not just the, that same type of character that Isaac was attracted to in his two sons. So this blessing had to be passed down. God said that this blessing is for your descendants and for their descendants. So it had to be passed down. And somehow, like you said, in the culture, it was normal for the firstborn to receive that inheritance. So for for them in specific, specifically was called the blessing. This wasn't like normal for the culture. It was just what your father's possessions had, you acquired. And so there was a birthright and a blessing. The birthright was the firstborn. Um, Esau willingly sold his birthright to his brother because he was hungry. He came home from hunting and he was starving. And Isaac was in the kitchen making some lentils, which Esau loved. And Esau said, hey, give me some of those lentils. And he said, give me a birthright. And he said, who cares about a birthright? I'm starving. So he gave him the lentils. He gave him his birthright. Now, it seems like, yeah, but that's not a fair deal. Well, apparently it was in God's eyes because that's how transactions were made, with your word. So he used his words improperly and gave up his birthright. Now, God saw that, that he despised his birthright. He saw into the heart of Esau, that he couldn't care less about the the potential that he had with that birthright before God and so and before his father. So it was a disrespect kind of thing. You know, his father showed him all this favor and he, he somewhat saw that as something very small and insignificant. So God saw his heart, and then later on, there was the blessing issue that that Isaac had yet to pass down this blessing, and it had to come from Isaac because he was the one that was blessed through Abraham. And when that day came, there was a deception that went on because Isaac was old, he couldn't see anymore, and yet it was time for him to bless. He thought he was going to die. He thought he was going to die because that was the age that his father died. And so that's what it seems like anyway. And so he was going to pass on this blessing to one of his sons before he died. And he was, on, he was sick in bed apparently, but he would end up living years later. But so he hastened as well to give this blessing. And the day came when his mother kind of masqueraded Jacob to appear as Esau because that's what um, Isaac's intention was. And it seems like this was a deceptive, it, it was a deceptive act on Rebecca's part. Jacob played along with it, and it seems that God blessed the deception, which isn't the case. God's plan was to bless Jacob initially because he speaks about how he despised his birthright. Therefore, Jacob was going to be blessed. But Rebecca didn't understand that part, and she went ahead with this plan because she loved Jacob more than Esau, which is a dysfunctional family. So here you go. You're starting with this incredible story with dysfunctional families, one after the other. And the story hasn't even started. We haven't even got to Jacob yet, basically. So he blessed in this act of deception. Isaac doesn't realize it, but he blesses the younger brother, Jacob. And then when it's seen, Esau comes home and sees what happens, what had just transacted. And he goes, this can't be so. It can't be. And his father says, it's too late. I already blessed him. He goes, surely you have another blessing. 
And he goes, okay, yeah, I have another blessing, but it's not as good as this one. And he blesses him and he gives him a prophecy that you will, you will have, you will grow strong and, and have uh, descendants and stuff, but they were going to, they're going to be at odds with each other. You're going to be like a wild donkey and your descendants will be at odds with each other. So that's not a very cool thing. It's not exactly a blessing, but it's a prophecy, an indication of your future. So then um, Jacob departs from Esau, but in the process, Esau basically tells him, next time I see you, it's done. Your curtains, it's over. Case closed, no more Jacob. And so Jacob is told by his mother, you got to get out of here quickly before he does something wrong. Go out, go back to the land where I came from and find yourself a wife and stay there until your brother simmers down. You do not take for yourself a wife from amongst, from here, because they're no good. Esau happens to overhear all those things. And he says, you know what, I'm going to spite my, this is what he says in his heart. It says that my parents hate the descendants of Esau, said that they're all you know, they're filled with wickedness and, you know, strange people. They don't, they don't live right. But um, I'm going to do, I'm going to spite them. And he went and found himself two wives from the daughters of Esau. So that's how the Esau, descendants... You mean Ishmael? I'm sorry, Ishmael. Yeah. Thanks <laughs> yeah, for helping me. Yeah, from Ishmael. So you have this descendancy beginning amongst what you said before, the Arab population begins there. Not a bad people, just not the the chosen ones for the promise. And it's just a matter of God's choosing to get his story told through a people of promise. Not perfect people, but he chooses a people. And we see that his choices are not random. They're out of his mind, the mind of God, which is good. And everything he does is good. And that's, you know, one of the things we're learning along with patience now, that these are principles that God has laid out that if we want to have this goodness that proceeds from God, we need to be patient for it and abide by the way he has just prescribed for that to happen. Because had they followed what he had said, Ishmael, quite frankly, wouldn't exist. And Jacob and Esau, the situation would have worked out without deception because God said that it would happen. Therefore, it would have happened in a way that wasn't with such enmity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's very interesting. A piece of my heart says, but why? Why can't, you know, both of them just be blessed? Why can't everyone just be blessed? I think that's kind of the heart of at least our culture now and maybe just the heart of humanity. Why not why not us all? Why not everybody? Right. And that's a valid question, but the the answer is it can be. It actually can be. And that's where, you know, this story it, it's being told um by this God who's watching over everything, but he doesn't have strings attached to the people, and he's not moving them in a position where it's going to make the story look pretty. Um, it's, it's choice. Choice is a huge part of the human dilemma, and we can't avoid that. Even though that God influences humanity, he doesn't interrupt the, the choices that we make. He might strongly influence us to make good choices opposed from bad ones, but he allows those choices. And we don't know why yet. And, you know, the thing is, if we trace back to the beginning of the story in the Garden of Eden, when, when Adam is first formed out of the dust and then Eve from his side, God says that he made man in his image. Now, in his image, there is this freedom that is completely God and it's completely right. But there is no freedom to choose wrong yet. And so everything was good until that choice came in the garden where God said, do not choose well, first of all, he said you can choose from any of the trees in the garden. And, you know, there's countless trees. And this is the fruit-bearing ones. There's countless trees, but countless fruit-bearing ones. Just think of how much fruit there is. 
And so Adam was able to eat from any one of those trees, but not from this one tree, which was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He could even have eaten from the tree of life, which would have given him a, a greater heightened understanding of how to live and to live forever. But he didn't eat from that tree, which is strange. So he eats from the tree of good and evil, and all of a sudden, everything changed. He has a choice now. He's given a choice because he, he gets the understanding that there is an evil before he knew nothing of. So all of a sudden, he becomes acquainted with evil, which is the impact of that is judgment, and they're cast out of the garden. And God doesn't end the story there, but he allowed free will to take place, and it seems like a bad thing that he did, because the next, and people are going to hate this part, the next, the next scene on the human drama is these two brothers that come from Adam and Eve, and we don't know how many other brothers and sisters are alive yet, but these are the two, and the story goes that um, because of wrong choices, animosity, jealousy, enmity, which God said will now happen amongst brothers in opposition, that you choose wrong and you're going to suffer consequences for it, something that they didn't have prior to that scene in the garden. The consequence was that one brother was jealous over the other and killed him. Even though God argued with this one brother called Cain, he argued with him, not so much argued with him, but tried to urge him not to do what he was going to do. And I see the picture as a visitation, God visiting Cain in his bedroom and saying, what do you have on your heart to do? Don't do. Don't you understand? Sin is crouching at the door and it wants to have you. Just like sin was a person. It wants to have you. It wants to make the decisions for you. Don't let it happen. So he could have... He was capable at the time, humanly speaking, to have not made the decision which he did, which was tragic. And that was he allowed jealousy to rule the day, envy over his brother's relationship that developed with God because he gave a, an offering that was more pleasing to God um, than Cain's was. And so God denied Cain's offering, accepted Abel's offering, and Cain couldn't take it. It burned so deeply in him that he went and killed his brother. And that's, it's like, wait a minute. We just started the story. These are two brothers. One kills the other brother. What kind of life is it for your mom and dad now? How could this, how could they go on living? How could your mother go on living with the pain of, of bearing two sons? One kills the other. And then the other one, the, the murderer, is now a vagabond. He's, he's running for his life. And she's left without I mean, that kind of loss is unfathomable. And God is the one that let this happen. He knew it was going to happen. So how could he let this happen? We should all be mad at God at this point of the story. I mean, really, if you're reading the Bible and for the first time, you get to that point, you should slam the book down and throw it to the ground and say, this isn't fair. And God allows us to do that. See, he wants us to interact with him because the story has to have an end to it that culminates, that has to have this sense of vindication for allowing free will to come into the world. So what you said before, why couldn't, you know, it just seems like God could have just spread this blessing dust over everyone, all of mankind, and we'd all get along. But it's not just a matter that we'd be robots and mechanical, and but there would be no story, because everyone knows what's going to happen. We're just going to say, you'll sneeze, I'll say, 
um, bless you. You'll say, thank you. I'll say, you're welcome. Oh, thank you for saying you're welcome. Oh, that's, that's, you know, that's so kind of you to say you're welcome for saying thank you. And so this is the kind of life we would live. We'd be so platonic and superficial. But, but then others could say, oh, no, it doesn't have to be that. God could do anything because if he's God, he can do anything. He could have made us different. Yeah, but he would have had to give us free will in order to do it differently because we would never have this capability of, of feeling the pain, the hurts that humans do, the good along with the bad, the sorrow along with the joy, all these things that make us more human, more like God, who's one who has all these emotions. So we don't understand the story. We only see it from a distance. But the thing that happens when you come, become a believer, and you know this very well, is that all of a sudden this faith takes over and gives you the capability to believe God to believe that he is good and to believe that his choices are the right ones and I'm going to follow after him until I see the end of this story. I'm in it. This is the perfect segue, I think, into our next episode, which would be about the struggle. Um, that struggle that you spoke about, um, man against man, brother against brother, that enmity along with the struggle that we have against our free will in a lot of ways. Um, the struggle that we have against who we are because of that decision of Adam and Eve, and honestly, the decision that any of us would have made because of how our hearts are, um, the decision that I, th I think every one of us would have made that decision in the garden. And in the next episode, we're going to talk about the struggle that Jacob has with God in order to receive a blessing. So I think we'll just leave it at that and tune in next week. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the discussion and got something out of it. If you want to be a part of the conversation or have any questions, head on over to the Comfort My People Facebook or Instagram page, where we'll post about today's episode and join you all in the comments. As always, please subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. And invite your friends to join us as we journey from Jacob. Love you all. See you next week. Shalom.